Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings and 10 years ago I gave up my live streaming career as a radio presenter with one big regret. Never getting to interview my hero, the legendary British musician Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. So here we are, episode 100. And as it's our centenary edition, I wanted to kick off with some thank yous. Firstly, thanks to you for your support, your shares, your thoughts, your listenership. It's all helped to get us to number one on iTunes and to grow listeners to the podcast. And what a delight it is to converse with you on Facebook, on Twitter, and meet some of you in real life as well. Thanks so much for your support once again. Hey, look, thanks to my wife and my family for letting me do this thing, evening, weekends, and holidays to create something truly unique and something that's special to me and I hope special to you as well. Thanks to all the guests from past and present. It will be nothing without you, your honesty, your warmth, your stories, and your generosity. Hugely, hugely appreciated. And of course, thanks to Paul Weller for the music, the live gigs, the story arc of 50 years from the creation of The Jam with Steve Brooks right up to now. And here's hoping, fingers crossed, for time in the future for what will undoubtedly be an epic interview at some point, right? Give us a call, Paul, when you're ready. So episode 100 takes us to Ripley, the Surrey village that is home to Paul's studio, Black Barn, but also home to Paul's mum, Anne. Together with her late husband, the legendary John Weller, Anne has been a key player in this story from the jam to now. So it was an absolute honour to join Anne for a cuppa and a scone and a very special chat. Let's get into it. Anne Weller on Desperately Seeking Paul. This is lovely. Thank you for inviting me here. <laughs> no, you were coming even. It's nice to meet you. Uh, this is episode 100 of the podcast, and it felt fit on the centenary episode to talk to the Queen, Queen Weller, Anne Weller. Here we are in Ripley. What a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, came here in the war. I got bombed out in Chinkford. We came down, my, my dad had died in 42 in the war, and then we, my brother and my brother and I came down to Surrey, down to here. And it's right, I've just come back home. We lived in caravans. Right. In the fields behind Paul's studio, we lived in caravans and we got 
you get a council, then we got a council house. But we lived there for quite a few years. And you've always kind of gravitated around this area, I haven't you? I love Ripley, yeah. Because yeah. it just doesn't change. Well, it doesn't really change, you know. Not really. You can go off down the weir and go off down and watch the cricket and that. And I used to do the cricket tees two or three years ago. <laughs> they got rid of me. <laughs> But, well, there's some good tea making in the Weller family, from what I've heard. No, but... I like tea making. <laughs> Paul's really good at it. It's come up a few times on the podcast. Hey, look, this is so. Uh, this is not like a bit weird that I've just come round to Paul's mum's house because you've played a pivotal role in Paul's career from the early days of the Jam, the fan clubs, the Style Council, a really key part of all this. All their it? bloody suits. <laughs> well, we're going to get onto the ironing the shirts. shirts. Yeah, and obviously also like the memories and the memorabilia for the exhibitions and things like that as well. Because I understand you're a bit of a magpie. Would that be fair? A little bit, and I. I come from a generation that don't throw nothing away, love. In the war, you didn't have anything, so you kept everything. And it just, or I think all people that were born in the war and not that, you just, you just do. You don't throw things away because you never know why somebody else might want it or you might need it. Well, thank goodness you have because then yeah. the, the, the fans have been able to see all these things. We'll talk about more, more about the exhibition in hey, a bit. Darling. So, you know, first question, usually on the podcast, my first question is, when did you first discover the music of Paul Weller? And I'm guessing for you, it would have been before any of us because it would have been him playing a guitar in his bedroom I'd imagine well yeah because we had this guy come to live with us Steve Brooks because his mum and dad split up and he was at school with Paul in Shearwater and he didn't want to go to where his dad was and he didn't want to go to where his mum was going so I said oh will you, if, if you want to share a bed with Paul and live up Stanley Row with no hot water and outside Lou he can come because they were a bit posher than us <laughs> they were they just were they had right. more monies but Steve would for quite a few years Paul's took up they took up the guitar and they suspected be up in their bedroom playing and then I got this guy he used to work in the record shop in Woking and he used to sort of like teach them so he'd teach them two for one do you know what I mean because we couldn't afford right. from both <laughs> and were they getting any better how many, how many lessons yeah. did they have yeah quite a few we always went around the workman's club so we ran the corner from us on a Saturday night and um, we had all the bands would come Rick Parfit he'd taken off and that and Nick used to go to a, a club and that and Rick used to help me farm them around. I'd drive one car and Rick Parfit would drive the other and take us and that so we just was to go around there and then Paul took up the good as I say Paul and Steve to play up in their room John went up one day and said how long are you going to sit up here playing that bleeding guitar you're going to go and play out so he started getting them little gigs in pubs but they only had about six ones they could play and they were all like you know oldie ones and that but then they just I don't know they just got on and that Can you remember what the six songs were it was like Chuck Berry uh, and Little Richard and oh, they, like they that, would be all they would be all those sort of things you know Johnny Be Good all that sort of be all the 60s stuff Nikki said on the podcast that it was a musical household growing up oh, you yeah, and John like, had, really I, I just love music. I have it. Well, you see me record player down yeah. there. I play records all day. What do you listen to? What, Anything. What Engelbert, Tom Jones, anybody, you know, just love music. John wasn't so, he was a good pianist. He could play by ear. So he, he got this piano off this person and we put it under the, under the stairs in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> but dad was really good, wasn't he? He could play without music. Where did you meet then? Was that, cause you, uh, you the Lineworks. Right. Okay. So Maybury. Yeah, which, which is now a, they sell everything, Pet City and everything there. It's all like on the Lineworks. It, the Lineworks in Woking employed most of Woking in those days. So everybody knew each other and they had a social club. And so you go dancing on a Friday and Saturday night in there, you know, only to records and stuff like that. So most people met through the Lineworks, my generation, you know. Yeah. And what was your job then? What were you doing? I just worked in the filing office just to do type out things and just take all the filing, do all the filing and that. It was like a little city, really, the Lineworks. John came in there. And he came in and tarmacked the roads. And, you know, and I used to have to take papers across and then they started, all blokes in them days used to whistle. They're not allowed to do it now, are they? I don't think. Bloody <laughs> self and safety. It's true, though, isn't it? Yeah, what a yeah. load of old rubbish. <laughs> so what did you then go to the dance on a Friday? Was that yeah, Friday, yeah. yeah, Friday night. 
Yeah. And John was, because he'd been in the RAF. Near him when he was in the RAF was the American called the Chicksands, the American group with it. And they loved all the English things. And he liked the American clothes, you know, the straight backs and everything. And I think they used to swap when he was in the RAF and that. So he used to go jiving then and he just liked, he was a good jiver. He was a PTI in the RAF and and he signed on for another year even because he liked it. In fact, later years, he said, I wish I'd stayed in there. Because don't forget, he was boxing for the RAF. So he said he'd be... He'd be down on Jankers, you know, parade, and then the colonel or somebody would come along going, are you boxing this weekend, Weller? And he said, I don't think you should be doing any more of that. And he said he could see the sergeant major sort of like <laughs> cringing, do you know what I mean? So he, 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 he did have a charmed life, in a sense. Yeah. Boxed for England, he boxed for the RAF, boxed for Southern Cat. Yeah, he was really good. But I mean, and then he, then getting on with Paul. So he really, his life was great. Yeah. Lovely oh, life, that. really. Um, he, won mo- he win most of his fights. He as well, won all his fights. Yeah, he had a very big, his super top. Do you know what I mean? And arms and that, funny little legs. <laughs> but um, you know, he used to win everything. Right. He was Southern Counties champion, ABA champion, services champion. Still wow. got all his cups, bits and pieces around the place. Wow. He only didn't get any money those days; just got cups. He was going to turn professional, but he couldn't afford the fare to where he had to go. I hadn't met him then; he was in the RAF. To where he had to sort of like sign on, which was good thing anyway let's talk about these two as a young kids paul and nikki um, we have to <laughs> i've got young kids myself so i've got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old no nikki was very good <laughs> yeah what about paul we'll pass on that. <laughs> he was a nice little boy wasn't he yeah, then he grew up no he was all he was all right he was a teenager because the thing was I, I thought about this and whether my kids you know if they said they wanted to get into the music industry at which point do you go this is a fun thing versus Actually, it I, wasn't I'm, me. I'm going to believe it was, in them. It know. was John, really. And then we knew everybody in Woking. There was a club called Michael's, you know, so he, John was to go out with his little book on a Thursday night and try and go around all the workmen's clubs in then. They, they played workmen's clubs in those days because that's all they could do, you know. Yeah. Sometimes they were booed off. Sometimes it was all right. They were getting better as they went along because he knew people in the workmen's club and the liberal, the workmen's and that. He knew all the guys around. We knew all the guys. He said, can they, you know, come and play you know that's sort of like quarter of an hour session or something like that did you go and see them live was it was this we something went out you every went saturday on? night around the club love yeah you went workmen's. and watched them nikki and nick paul's been around the workman's club since they were babies yeah but john was the one that really i don't think they would have got on so quick without john because he was come on boys we've got to do this and that i yeah. love this idea these lunchtime rehearsals like they're at school and they're kind of yeah really young well, like 14 15 at that point aren't they but they had a good music teacher didn't they at Sheer, was it sheer war he was a bit more for the kids wasn't he you know was it mr avery yeah. so like, what, like supportive and he kind of and paul is the phone up and say can you bring my guitar down didn't he or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, typical parent, right? They're ferrying, ferrying the kids around, being like a taxi service. This is all kind of standard stuff. But but then it was in those days. And this is obviously pre-record deal. So this is them doing the Woking So yeah. Oh, God, they did that for about two years before they got a deal. I don't think they would have taken off so quick without John. I don't care what anybody says. It was the driving force. In Rick's book, he says that... What does he say? He said it was you that made sure they looked clean, smart and tidy. Yeah. You'd be the one ironing their shirts. Yeah, I was ironing their shirts and got all their suits cleaned. Because when they come off from their weekend it was soaking so i had to take them home dry them off first before they went to the cleaners and if you look at pictures as they got more that the the, the trousers started to go up and the white (laughs) socks appeared more didn't they because they shrank (laughs) dazzles was a clothing firm in woking you could pay two bob a week or whatever bob they got their suits from them didn't he i'm not long ago i met the guy that he's, he's retired now and he go do you remember we used to bring them bloody suits in on a Monday morning? I said, yeah. But, you know... Did you just have one lot? Was it just... Was well, first off, we only had one lot, right. yeah. 
couldn't afford any more. They were £10 each. Right. They had to pay weekly for them. But it was great when they decided to have black suits and white shirts because Paul could use his school shirt. Do you know what I mean? You could use... <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? No, you yeah. could... It was an easy... Wasn't it? Black yeah. and white. Yeah. Was an easy thing to do. He didn't even have to get changed after no. school. No. <laughs> Straight out. <laughs> no. I love those days. Then we got a bit of money and then they went into grey suits for a while. Once you got a few quid, right? Yeah, when we got a few quid. I remember reading something once about that before the record deal, if the boys ever got kind of disheartened, if they felt like it wasn't going in the oh, right John direction, it was John pushing them I, forward. I'm not so. being horrible, but if without John, they could have taken it. I don't think so. You've got to have somebody that, come on, loves, you know, and get... They wouldn't have done it. Plus the fact we knew everybody in Woking, so they could go around the Workman's Club and rehearse because we knew Paddy, who was the steward round there, he used to let them go in on a Sunday afternoon when all the bits are closed down. But honestly, without John, that no, I don't think so. Might have, of course, a good songwriter and stuff and that, not as quick. And it wasn't like he had a background in musical management. It wasn't like, obviously very determined. So if, if he set his mind to something, he'd make it happen. Well, he was, he was, it, he was a lovely, I'm not really being funny, but he was a great father and he was a lovely man. And he got on and he begged, borrow and steal. Cause I mean, we had people who needed a van and he'd go up and say, Mick, we need the van. He said, I'll oh, get that bloody van back tomorrow. I need it to go to work. I will, I will. And he'd just go off. I don't think the jam would have taken off as quick without people round woking as well that, there was always somebody that could lend a van or... But then in those days, you're talking about how many years ago? Well, 45 years ago, they I got mean, that record I mean, life deal. was so yeah. much easier then and everybody knew each other. You all went around the Workmen's or the British Legion or the clubs and that. I just think it was nicer times. I mean, you say that these vans, these vans are what? Builders vans, are they? Yeah. <laughs> so the bags of cement in the back and all clear that. Yeah, I'd sweep it out. I'd sweep them out before. <laughs> Then they'd have a fight coming home from some of them and they'd be fighting in the back. Or... <laughs> hey, look, and I'd make them sandwiches so they had something to eat when they come out. But it was great. I remember hearing Paul interviewed on Absolute Radio last year and he was talking about the 70s. As he started talking about them being in the back of the van and yeah, messing fighting. About, yeah, he was just like, he almost kind of glazed over and went yeah. back there for a moment because he said yeah. those were his happiest times. It's like with everything, isn't it? When you're first starting or you've got little bits and pieces, it's happy. And then somebody comes along and gives you something. It's not the same, I don't think so, because you haven't worked for it. Hmm. And if you've done it yourself, do you, you know yeah. what I'm talking I guess also there's not that pressure either at that point, is there? No, because you've only got fun. yourself to blame, haven't you? Yeah. And that, so we started a fan club. Oh, that was a laugh. <laughs> Tell me about the fan club. So this is was this pre them getting the record deal? Or no, was this, no, this, no. So they got the record deal yeah, yeah. in the city comes yeah. out. And, um, and we had people like coming to say, to you know, like being horrible to John going, well, you've got them a record deal. And in the end, I had to swear and say, yes, he did. You know, but it was the way that they didn't, they sort of, just because John worked on the building and he was rough and ready, it was a jack of all trades in a sense. Because Polydor, when first I started, told you I wanted to get rid of John and put some suited booted person but they said no and luckily the boys all said no he's the one that's took us around for the last so many years and and that we know he's staying and he was a really good manager in fact in the end he had so many people wanting to be his manager so the record deal was what 1977 yeah um, and quite quickly they become a top 40 band and they're on top of the pops <laughs> that must be weird <laughs> your yeah. son's there on top of the pops but we knew quite a few of like tony blackburn was there then and uh, who was the other guy oh, yeah, john peel john peel john peel was really good because he had a, he had a radio show didn't he as well yeah lots of people over the course of things did help them do you know what mean or was there at the right time it was all different in them days it wasn't all like it is today it's too starchy now and it? it's all i don't know when they were on tv and stuff did you sit down as a family and watch them all together yeah 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 
and criticised we should have done that and should have polished his shoes for St. Paul. But I don't think I don't think Paul ever watched himself because Nikki was only Nikki was still at school because she had a lot of flack from kids at school because they were going, We don't like your brother and she said, Well I don't care if you do or not. <laughs> but they gave her quite a hard time at school. They really did, honestly. But a few years later, I mean everybody's loving it. Oh, that it's band, different then. Because <laughs> put us on the guest list. Yeah, yeah, on the yeah. guest list. Guest list is to be more than the people were coming in. <laughs> There are a few things that stand out on that as well. One, one is the amount of fans who are able to get into the sound check. Oh, do you want to let them all, all in? If you ever look at the old footage, there's a stage and there's, they're out, out to here, aren't they? Yeah. Was that something that was decided then, then, together? But, How did you guys no, decide? No, just... Well, because if you think about it, Paul and John were novices, weren't they? They didn't know what, what was going on. Do you know what I mean? You just didn't, did you? You were like... Um, just was, making up as they went along. Just make it as you yeah. go along. I love the idea of kids like 14, 15, not being able to afford or not being allowed to go to the main gig, but still getting to see the jam in the afternoon and, and being let into the sound check yeah. is remarkable. I days, enjoyed those early days more yeah. than when they all got... Well, was that because you could see that it was No, we just had or? fun. And you never knew from one day to the other if you were going to be all right or not. You get booed off or they liked you. Do you know what I mean? Or they'd be fighting, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Did you ever have any doubt that it would work and that this would be Paul's career and that he'd make a success of it? <laughs> Well, did you not we, worry? We didn't or? even think about no. it because, like, mind you, it's a good job he did because I don't know what else he would have done. <laughs> he tried football, didn't he, at one point? No, he's not very... We had a football team, maybe yeah. Rovers. We had to get rid of him because he was no good. And John knew... Who did he know at Chelsea? And he gave us the old strip. And when they put the tops on, they were down past their shorts. <laughs> but they were Chelsea's old strips. It didn't matter. One thing that stood out to me about the fan clubs, we, talk, we mentioned a fan club earlier on... Um, you put like your home address on there. I can't imagine this. But I know, be, so, I know, I so know. It's like a letter from Nikki well, and Anne. It's forty-four. Well, well Nikki started. <laughs> Nikki started the fan club. Yeah. And then being a teenager, she wanted to go out, so I used to help her in Belmoral Drive. You had your front door, and then next door you had the coal shed with a door. But John, being a builder, he bought a window home, knocked it down, and made it into a little office. Oh, right. So it was Nikki's and my office in there, and, you know, chairs in there. Then the door from the hall went into the, would have been the coal shed, but he didn't have coal in them days. So right. But it's because the council house had it in those when they first built them. So no, so we had it as an office. And that was where the fan club ran out of that, uh, that office. But it's I mean, the fact that you put the home addresses, people would just turn up. Well, we didn't they? know though. <laughs> when you, well, you know, in your green, you don't, you don't think. So you, but you just have fans would be turning up all the time, come, wouldn't they? Yeah. And come I had tea Nikki, and What was the one from America that stayed for three days? Oh, Steve. 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 He's been on the podcast. Oh, has he? Yeah, yeah, Steve. Yeah. He just turned up and yeah. They just used to turn up. <laughs> and all I ever did was make tea. Give <laughs> photos. And the fact some of them stayed and stuff, though, yeah? Yeah, it was hilarious. That's unbelievable. But, I mean, but if you think about it, though, all those people still friends with us. And I think that's one of the things we'll talk about, the legacy of that band. But one of the big connections with the fans is the access, the fact they got into the soundcheck, those memories were created from those mm. first gigs that they didn't pay for or whatever, and the connection they have with the Wellers. Yeah. It's not just Paul, is it? Because the fan club was crazy. The amount of letters you get, the amount of members you had was mad, wasn't yeah, it? Well, the posts we... coming the entire time. Yeah, they used to bring them down in the van on their own, our little postman. But the neighbours were good because we'd all sit around having cups of tea, going through them, and put shitty ones on that. Thing, you know, <laughs> that the ones you had to do, and you know what I mean. You yeah. just you just sort it all out. Well, and fans the have neighbors, still got a lot of these letters. Like oh these yeah, but the, but the, na- the neighbours there were great. My neighbours in that Balmoral Drive were brilliant. They just were. Was there a time where you thought well, you mentioned the fun days being that really early part when they kind of became hugely successful? And they're having number one singles. Was there a time where you thought? 
you felt like we've done it. We've, this is success. This is what that feels like as a family. Not really. We just ploughed on. Just on to the next thing continuously. Mm. I mean, uh, did I you used to go to the gigs much? Did you got, go to, yeah, we went yeah. to everything. John would go off with the van and the boys. I mean, me and Nick, we had a little 11 under. Me and Nick would follow on because they had to get there early and then we'd go off later. They, I mean, they weren't calm affairs, those gigs, were they? No. <laughs> When Nikki came on the podcast back last February, it was now, um, you were in the background and, and you said that John turned the air blue when Paul decided to split the jam. I can't repeat it. <laughs> but it was a real shock. But I mean, because they were top nowhere, of their right? game. Yeah. And we had fans come around there <gasps> crying their eyes out. All, we ever, all I ever did was make tea for about a month. You've got to tell them to go back. I said, well, you know. Like a pilgrimage to the Weller yeah, House. I mean, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, it was a big shock to Rick and Bruce, really, in a sense, wasn't it? I suppose it was, well, it was like an end of your life. Life yeah. really for yeah. them, wasn't it? And also, nothing they could do about it. That was the thing, nothing. completely out of your control. No, because Paul was the songwriter, and so yeah. Paul was. There was no changing his mind, right? Nope. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. No, he, he had this plan. I don't know what, it, you know, to go on with. I don't know. He just had enough. I know for about a month, all I did was make tea and hand out tissues. <laughs> I mean, I know them all still now. They've all got kids now, and they. You folks were young. I mean, you were young when you had Paul and Nikki as well, I weren't was, you? So you were, you were young. Yeah, anyway, I was right? eighteen when I had Paul. Yeah, so it's not like I'm, I mean, I was forty. What am I now? I was forty when I had my kids. Mm. So my first John kids, was a bit so. older than me because he was when I married John. I was seventeen. He was about five or six years older than me, I suppose. He was so good looking, though. Could have been a bloody film star. He was honestly. <laughs> his hair. I mean, the amount of people. Well, you remember, don't forget, it was black hair, in right? them days, though, yeah. as well. Oh, well, they used to call us the cottage industry for years. We were called the cottage industry. It's so funny because like, Jimmy Percy, all that blinging lot. You can see lots of these different people going. Oh, you're not going to amount to nothing. But you've always got to have somebody, haven't you, in the background? I mean, they wouldn't better drive vans. They weren't old enough. John could. If you ever met him, he could charm the birds out of the trees. 
She said a way about him. Well, we'll that. talk more about because there's so many fond memories from the fans and stuff as well. Oh, we know the fans just, love John. Yeah. It's call him Little Cockers. Get in here, Little Cockers. He's standing out there. Have you got enough money to get home? He was just, you know, when he died, I mean, the letters I got, they just loved him. You mentioned the Style Council. We should talk about that because it feels like it's a, a lot of people have talked about how, from a live point of view, live gigs, there were suddenly more women at the gigs. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it was all blokes with the jam, mostly, and their girlfriends under duress coming along with them. But the Style Council changed it. it was, then it got more girls coming because it was more, when Mick was in it, as you know, yeah. Mick Talbot, Steve White, yeah. D. She was quite a great voice, Dee, isn't she? Yeah. That crew together, the four of them together, mm. made such a brilliant band. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And we said such good times. And the songs were totally different from the jam, weren't they? As a listener, as somebody who loves music, mm. did you have a preference between the bands? Between no, the jam? I, I just like just love the songs. Just like anything. I like the energy of the jam, because you've got that... Huh? Yeah. You know, three minute and it was over. Like, I like the energy. And then I like the melodic and the lovely things of the Star Council. No, it's, it's be, he's been a very lucky boy, actually, going from one to another and then, then leaving that and then going solo, hasn't mm. he, really? Yeah. And the Star Council, you think about it now, it's, I mean, now time seems to fly by I mean, so how quickly, long has doesn't it? Been, it? A, how long have they been split up? Star, Star Council was 89. So, mm. and it was, and they were only together seven years. So, yeah. You, which you think is, is, I mean, seven years now is gone in the you know, blink of an eye, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, it's no time at all, really. But yeah. both these bands left such a massive legacy. They mean so much to people, don't they? Yeah. Well, and different generations in a sense, isn't it? They remember when they were young with the jam. Then they remember when they were young with the Star Council. All me and Nikki ever did was feel bleeding envelopes. What we, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you say that. There's a wonderful moment on Dutch television. I don't know if you remember Dutch? this. Dutch television, Dutch. 1983. I don't know what it was. There's this like live vocal that they're doing from of Speak Like a Child from a hotel bedroom. And then you pop in with with a tray of tea. Mrs. Overall, would you like a nice <laughs> cup of my acorn coffee? Now, was it was Mrs. O- what was her yeah, name? Yeah, it was. Of was acorn it? Antics, oh, it was yeah. lovely, wasn't it? She's, Julie Waters, wasn't it? She was brilliant at that. Mm, but that was, I think, <laughs> was it was, it was, I came in with the tea. The, um, the tor- so we're back into another fan club, though, the Torch Society again. Different flavour, though. It's, it's, it's a real mix of letters from... But more girls, wasn't yeah. it, Nick? I was going to say, a lot of swooning, right? So there are... It's, it's, you know, your son's suddenly a sex symbol. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I call him, but... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing um, that we should talk about, obviously the Star Council, a very political band. Is that something you and Paul would have conversations no. about, about his politics? No. Did you agree on no. stuff, disagree no. on stuff? because I'm a conservative and Paul's a uh, whatever he is. And he said to me, why are you conservative? Because I've always been a conservative. I said, that, you know, I just have. Don't ask me why. I've always been a conservative. So when he was attacking Maggie and his lyrics and stuff, did that bother you? Nah. You take notice of him. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you live in a council house and it doesn't matter. If I live, I've just always been a conservative. Don't ask me why. State of the bloody labour lot, bloody hell. <laughs> <clears throat> it's amazing how so many of those songs still resonate today, though. The fact that you've kind of written, Paul's written stuff that's, what, 35 years ago. Yeah, and it all comes to fruition, doesn't it? All still Lots yeah, of it. full circle, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's, uh, yeah, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. The Style Council, it feels like, were very misunderstood at the time. Not everybody got the humour, did they? No, and, but I think, too, all the people, jam fans, were gutted, weren't they? And I think people didn't think the Style Council were going to take off, but and it was a totally... Opposite, wasn't it, from the jam? You couldn't have two more different groups, could you? Mm. One was, uh, you know, and then the Star Council was all nice, wasn't it? 
and that one when they were on the bloody river cam yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you make of it when you saw those videos? And you well, saw I just laughed, but John was, you know, he was old school. He come from a different generation. Did he wonder sometimes what Paul was up to, like in terms of because obviously he was the manager, but I guess there's only so much you can kind of advise and <laughs> yeah. try and shape the career or push it forward and stuff. I, I guess he's, he was doing more than what Paul wanted him to do, wouldn't he? They had a good relationship. If you think about it, that was. You know, Paul would like sometimes rebel and then he'd be that and then John would get this. The other thing that was exciting during the Star Council time, Paul and Dee fall in love, which is lovely, but you become a grandmother as well for the first time. So yeah. that must have been a lovely period of time. Yeah. Busy. As head of the family, essentially, this is such an exciting time, but it feels like maybe the music takes a bit of a backseat for Paul at that point. The record deal comes to an end. They reject the Star Council's final album. Yeah. How did that go down? Well, I won't tell you what Dad said when he came home that night, but anyway... <laughs> Um, it'd be unrepeatable, but it's just one of those things, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know. That time without a record deal was quite short, but I imagine as mum, it, it would have feel a bit, was it a bit worrying? You're Not kind of, what's really next? What's that, he going to no, do? Because they'd made money by then. And do you know what I mean? They weren't sort of like, this, you know, don't know. You never know from one day to the next, do you? What's going to happen? What did you make of the house period? So the end of the style council when he, when he was doing the... Don't like house music, love. The <laughs> well, there's youngsters in it. I used to call it bungalow music. <laughs> no it's not my not my thing is it you like a song you can sing along to yeah yeah, yeah. i get the sense that those days of the first because i discovered paul as a solo artist my first experience of paul was the song oh, oh yeah it felt like he was reconnecting with woking he was back like wildwood he's written stanley road and created stanley road and again yeah. he's back on top again and again those albums mean so much i mean 30 years of solo albums now is it that long yeah you sure? <laughs> I've checked. Yeah. 30? 30 years. Honestly, if anybody asked me, I'd never have known. There's a quote from Paul, actually. This was in 2001. He said, uh, he was talking about John. He said, he loves the buzz, the roar of the crowd. He loves being on the road. He loves gigs. That's quite rare in most managers. Most managers sit behind a desk yeah. and collect the checks. He doesn't. No. And there was a lot of card playing on the road. Oh. Kenny, Kenny Wheeler talks about this. <laughs> there was a lot of money going up. <laughs> he was pretty good at it, though, right? Oh, he was brilliant. But he didn't cheat. He just watched, he knew the cards. It seems as if he was a card cheat, but he wasn't. He just, he was just really good at watching. He knew everybody else's cards. He just watched them. We got a photo somewhere. This man is dangerous or something. Do not play cards with him or something like that. Dangerous for your, bad for your yeah, health. Wasn't it? it Nick? Something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> we mentioned, so this 30 years of this solo career for Paul, obviously with all the restrictions, COVID, everything that's gone on over the past few years, it was a while before he got back out on the road. But then last year we had On Sunset Live, we had Fat Pop Live, and there you were in the crowd, Southampton. You love that live performance but still, I just love, yeah, I just love going to gigs. Just do. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I'm back younger. I just, but I love music anyway. I've got music on all day long. I love music. Yeah. And what do you make of Paul's music? So we've had quite a few albums in the last few years. The productivity from him over the road, really, just down the lane there in his mm. studio in, in Ripley over the road is remarkable, isn't it? The amount of material he's producing. It is. I mean, I don't know how he manages to write it all, but he just does. But he's always scribbling down something on something. I mean, he's been lucky, but it, it also, he has produced lots of good stuff. So, I mean, it's not just both ways. It swings both ways, doesn't it? But also, it's not just lots of material he's releasing. Every, that is really high standards. We should talk about the exhibition. 
So this is the Modern World Brighton this summer, the ultimate exhibition, a member really of the Jam and the Style Council. And I referred to you being a bit of a magpie earlier on. You kept a lot of stuff, haven't you? Yeah, it was handy though, wasn't it? it <laughs> Every was time handy. you move house, it all comes with you, does it? All yeah. these boxes and boxes of stuff. But I'm a magpie anyway, and I know of anything, not just that. So when you go through these things, because obviously it, has to, it comes back out of the box for these exhibitions again, and we're seeing some stuff for the first time. So much of your stuff's on show. There's so many memories in, in those bits of memorabilia. They're not just bits of paper. They're not just letters. They're not just fan club things. They're the memories enwrapped within yeah. those as well, aren't they? Well, yeah, because then you start reading them again. You think, oh, yeah, that was so-and-so. I think what's so nice is a lot of Paul's fans all bring, I mean, bring their kids to things. Because I remember meeting one couple, could have been last year or this year, and I said to the kids, you know, they said, we have to come because our mum and dad's, <laughs> but they bring their kids. And their grandkids. And their grandkids. I've tried that with mine. As soon as I mention Paul, they go, ugh. Paul Weller, not again. Not again. (laughs) Oh, still going on about Paul Weller. (laughs) One day, one day. Now, there's a couple of things I should talk to you about before you go as well. So one was February this year where uh, you made the front page of the local paper. So this was the visit to the local mosque. Oh, yeah. I used to work there, clean it. Yeah, this is lovely. So Mm. tell me the story of this. When was the job in your... When Paul was three. Okay. Um, I cleaned the mosque and I could take Paul with me because I could actually have a job that I could take Paul. And they were lovely. I mean, the Tafels and that um, were lovely, lovely people. And I'm right in thinking it's Britain's oldest mosque, is that it's, right? Yes. Wow. What happened was, it's called it's called Oriental Road, and the guy that done it, he wanted to get every, what do you call it, denomination, denomination of, right. of religion. If you go down Oriental Road, there's Catholic, there's Church of England, there's Scottish... That's how it came to be in Wokeham. And did you work there for a while? Three years, four years. Right. And was it nice going back? Because Paul hadn't been there since he was a kid, right? Paul come in and said, there's the pond I fell in, didn't he? But I had to find jobs that I could take Paul with me. Do you know what I mean? Because that's when I got jobs at the school, didn't I, Nick? That was quite good. Because the caretaker down Maybridge School was really nice. He used to say, right, girls, if you come in and work two days solid because we had to wax the floors, then just come back before they come back. He used to let us off. So we used to get paid by the council, but... It's to let us off, you know. I mean, one thing that stands out is how hardworking you all are. And so, oh, many, pe- so many people have mentioned on the podcast about Paul still now, that work ethic. Well, all of us, Nikki, John, we've always worked. She has had a job when she was 12 and stuff like We've always worked. Well, I like it anyway. I couldn't sit around all day. Mm. I mean, now I'm retired. I ate it. Your brain's still in gear. It's just your body's falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> Some questions from, um, I have to ask you from Tufty, right? So Tufty said, ask her about jam sandwiches. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I just used to make them jam sandwiches. <laughs> Didn't I? Is that the band? So the band would go off on yeah, tour but... on these gigs and they're taking a pack No, this was more like, <laughs> right. no, I'm not talking about the big. The pre, 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 pre signing yeah, to Polydor, yeah. right, okay. Yeah. So when no, they were properly yeah, like not, kids. Not when, no, when, they were, when, when <laughs> yeah. the jam was first starting off. <laughs> I could just imagine, he's top of the pops, he's taking a packed lunch with him. Trouble is with Paul, he'd eat them before, because Paul could eat for England. And then another one, Tufty says, um, tell us about giving Japanese girls John's dinner. Oh, yeah. It's these girls turned up from Japan, three of them. And I thought, what the bloody hell am I going to give them? So I think I gave them John's dinner. I thought I could cook him an f- egg and bacon or so when he comes home. <laughs> There's a story about Paul and Steve Craddock in Ripley and a call in the middle of the night. Does this ring any bells? And they were sitting in the middle of the road. Yeah, what's this? Tell me about this. Drunk. And, and, and luckily for me, the local copper is a friend of mine. He said, Anne, can you come and get him out? He oh, said, so the, the police rang you up? Yeah. Flying in the, 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 the middle of the road. the cars were going around them. <laughs> 
Because I went out and he went, hello, mum, what are you doing? I said, what are you bloody doing sitting in the middle of the road? Oh, yeah. Blimey. We should also touch on the fact that um, I mentioned family and I'm not going to dig in too much, but you're now a great grandmother as well, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so exciting, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. He's a lovely little thing, isn't he? It's just so nice. And Tomo, her husband's lovely. i tell you what's lovely as well is the fact that, so this coming Friday, Leah's at the 100 Club yeah, and she's great music. She's got an album yeah. coming out soon and all that. Yeah. Are you going to be there? Yeah. Oh, lovely. This has been so lovely, Anne. Thank That's you right, so darling. much. I've got two questions for you before yes. you go, right? So these are the same questions that everybody gets on the podcast. You're allowed one Paul Weller song for the rest of your life. It can be The Jam, The Style Council or Solo. Which song would you pick? I like them all. I like You're the Best Thing. You're the Best Thing. Love Alice. I like, and I love Town Called Malice. Is that the one that would get, if you were to play any at a live gig, is that the one that gets yeah, you Yeah, because everybody gets up, doesn't they? Because it goes, doom, 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 doom. You know it's going to come, don't you? Yeah, it's brilliant. But I like all these songs, really. When I saw him the other week, he, he introduced that one and called it the stand-up for the new national anthem. Town Called Malice. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose yeah. so, yeah. That one. It's not a bad choice. No, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. That's all right. And now look, the purpose of this podcast that I'm doing. What does so, a podcast mean then? Well, it's, like, it's like a radio show. Oh, all right, though. But with less budget. Why do they call it pod? I don't know, really iPod. It was when the iPod oh, came I out. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a little radio show, and yeah. the purpose of this podcast is to meet people with connections to Paul Weller, right. to talk about his career and things. But it's really for me to get the interview with Paul Weller that I never managed when I was a radio presenter. That was why my one big regret was never getting to interview. What radio were you with? I was in, where was I? I was in Guildford, Eagle Radio oh, down Eagle the road. Radio, yeah. A bit of there. I did a Mercury FM in Crawley over there. Guildford, in Somerset man. and stuff. Um, so yeah, I had this one big regret, which I never got to interview Paul. I've met him once at the Cobham Sainsbury's. That was Chris. enough. <laughs> Cobham Sainsbury's. Cobham Sainsbury's. Well, he'd he, he be in the um, food department. <laughs> he was Just doing like, his shopping. He does love his food. And all I could think to say was... Big fan, big fan. Because I think that's the thing. Quite often people just don't know what to say to yeah, him. Yeah, no. They? I wasn't crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think about it, though. He has been really lucky to go all these years, don't you think? Well, f- 45 years since that yeah, first his, record deal, right? But, I mean, his fans have been so loyal, haven't they? I mean, he's very lucky to have that. Was there a moment when you thought, when you realised that he had talent in this space? Because as a dad, I feel that my kids are brilliant at everything. Yeah. But actually, probably the reality is they're not great. Well, I, well, I think, first off, I couldn't get over the fact that, because Paul was always a shy kid as a little boy, wasn't he? And I thought, he's not going to get up in front of people and sing. He'll have his back to them or something. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I couldn't see him. As a front man, I mean, Brooksy was in your face, wasn't he? I mean, he was, you know, what Brooksy was going to be all right. But no, it was weird, I suppose. Then you just get used to it. Sometimes I think about it, but now it's so many years, uh, you know. What's happened with Paul is too, he's got such a, it's a diversity of fans, you know, young, old. I mean, some of the people that say to me, I really like your son. And I look at him, I'm thinking, do you? Also the diversity of material. So you, you yeah. never really know what you're going to get with Paul. I mean, we've had classical albums, pop albums, dance albums, reggae songs, you know, he's, he's happy to cover all kinds of genres and just let the music take him wherever he wants it to take him. Right? Yeah. I think it was because... Um, coming the punk days were totally different to the because before that was all bands and all you know singers you know like then the um, punk came along it changed everything didn't it really Tufty was saying he was trying to get Paul to wear different clothes to ditch the suits that we talked about earlier yeah and he wanted him to kind of you know go with the um, the pins you know and, and all that didn't Paul did wear some kind of um, boiler suit at some point didn't he for something oh he <laughs> yeah but Paul done things just to wind people up. Most of the time, didn't he, Nick? Mainly Did. you lot, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And then John would, I won't tell you what John would say. 
<laughs> no, but Paul is like that. I think he likes annoying people. <laughs> I don't know. He'll say, do something like that, and then all of a sudden he start laughing, knowing that he's sort of like caught you out on something. He's, he's done the, the wind-up's done. He's got you. Mm. So, yeah, so the point was, um, so if I do get the interview with Paul Weller, yeah. Um, this feels weird calling him by his full name to you. <laughs> if I get the interview with Paul, what should I talk to him about? Is there anything I should ask him? Any, any topics of conversation you think he'd appreciate? Clothes, music and food. food. Nicky said the same thing. Um, <laughs> Has he always been into the clothes? The clothes yeah, is yeah, from... Yeah. From a kid. And where does that love of clothes come from? I like clothes. Right, it came Obviously. from you. You're, you're the fashionista, are you? Well, not really, but when, yeah. Emile DeMarcus and Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the past, yeah. Oh, really? Mm. I just love clothes and shoes and stuff like that. So I suppose so, don't you? But so stylish. I mean, both of you. Because so, Dad so wasn't, was he? He's put his corduroy trousers on, his, his hush puppies and his yeah, leather jacket. Yeah. Goodbye, babe. See you later, love. And he was gone. <laughs> and everybody knew him coming. He go. To, it's so funny because he's go to the meetings at Polydor and they go oh, we're taking you out for lunch Donnie he went don't do lunch like, give us a dosh and I'm off but I mean it's so funny because AJ and all those people that were head of Polydor's and that they all liked him Jim Cook AJ all that lot didn't they and you know he got on with them all yeah well, he had an office in Polydor until he got found out. Well, he wasn't meant to have one. No. All the girls did because they, they liked him because they said, he calls me a babe. I thought he calls everybody a babe because he can't remember their names. <laughs> the girls thought it was great being called a babe. <laughs> right, babe. Couldn't do this for me, could you? Won't take you long. He was a ducking and diver, wasn't he? Hey, look, Anne, this has been such an honour, such a pleasure oh, to right, have darling. you on. Episode 100 of the podcast. <laughs> My goodness me, Queen Weller in the house. Oh, blinking neck. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, there you go. What can I say? I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. The magnificent Anne Weller on the podcast. Brilliant. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, make sure you share on your social media channels. Let's get this episode to number one, folks. So what happens now? The big question. Episode 100, done and dusted. Delighted to say that the podcast has been renewed for another season. Guaranteed another 50 episodes of the Paul Weller Fan Podcast. We're here for a while yet, folks. And fingers crossed, Mr. Paul Weller at the end of the run. So many amazing stories and guests lined up, ready to come on this podcast. We had to keep it going, right? So spread the word, tell your mates, another 50 episodes of the Paul Weller Fan Podcast, guaranteed. So I hope you're as pleased about that news as I am. If you are, don't forget, you can buy me a virtual coffee or get some of our new exclusive official merchandise on my website, paulwellerfanpodcast.com. I'd also love to see you at some of our summer events. We're going to be in Halifax as part of the Paul Weller Day on July 3rd when Paul plays the Peace Hall. Plus, this summer, as part of Nikki Weller's This Is The Modern World exhibition, I'll be hosting a couple of Q&As, one with Rick Buckler, August the 10th, and Steve White, Mick Talbot, on Thursday, August 25th. You can find all the information, details on my website, paulwellerfanpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. 
code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.